Lost Corner. Today's guest is the founder of Killing It Productions, LLC. His company covers everything from photography, videography, beats, music mixing, mastering, podcasting, and comedians. So without further ado, please welcome Squids Killing It to the Claws Corner. Squids, how are you? Hey, how's it going, man? It's uh, good to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad. First, uh, was it last week and the week before you had me in your, on your podcast, which I love. I love your format. It's just very chill, just having a great conversation. And I got a chance to talk about myself. So I said, and I also want to thank Steve Joyner, publicist, for uh, introducing me to you and letting me know about your show and vice versa. So thank you very much, Steve. And I uh, wanted to repay the favor and have you on my show. So as I mentioned in the intro, you're the founder of Killing It Productions. So tell my viewers a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, Killing It Productions is uh, just the company that hosts all of those things. Um, it started with DJing services and then kind of evolved into music production that evolved into photography for headshots for artists and stuff like that. And that got into videography for music videos and stuff like that. And that kind of got me into um, turning it more so into a record label or a multimedia company uh kind of like warner brothers you know what i'm saying and so uh it just kind of encompasses all of those things because i really like to do all of those things so it kind of helps a lot with that you're quite the overachiever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been told that i was on uh, a podcast last night and he was just like man what like what don't you do right now <laughs> <laughs> so question for you out of all the things you mentioned did you have any schooling in that or was it all learning on your own um it's all everything that i found interesting i kind of pursued it and it was all by myself <laughs> i never went to college for it i went to college to be an english teacher <laughs> It took a little detour on that one, huh? <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. But the reason I wanted to be an English teacher was because I really like the English language. I yes. like wordplay. I like similes. I like metaphors. You know, I like all that kind of stuff. And different languages too, Spanish, American Sign Language. Um, those are the kind of the ones I've been working on a lot lately. Um, I took three semesters of American Sign Language, so that kind of helped with that, but um, I wanted to be a teacher to help at-risk youth uh, because I was kind of a wild child uh, when I was younger. I got arrested five times when I was 14, and yeah, and so... Uh, well, kind of, if you don't mind talking about it, if you do, that's fine with me, but what kind of crazy shenanigans were you doing at 14? Um, so, like, the first three were just, like, entry crimes, right? Like, this guy... Um, hit me with a door he was the janitor of this school and he hit me with this door and i was like hey man like i'm here he like recognized me did he went out raised the flag came like did all of his stuff and came back in the school and he hit me with the door again this time intentionally i was like all right really yeah wow. yeah so i was like all right fine i'm gonna vandalize this my mother father's house yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh, threw a couple eggs at his door and stuff. And like, there were some neighbors, I guess, that saw me run to my house pretty much after that. Cause they only live right down the road for me. Right. And so, um, got arrested for that. Got six months probation, got off my six months probation. And then I was out past curfew one time. Don't know why like that was a like probation time, but I got six months probation for that. So wait, um, let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to ask you, because right now you're living in Wyoming. We talked yeah. about that on your podcast. Were you living in Wyoming at the time when this was happening? Yes, I was actually in Sinclair, Wyoming. It's just about 120 miles west of where I am now. The reason I'm asking is I guess, you know, it's, it's way out there in the sticks and it's, maybe they're a little bit stricter than some of the, like, the bigger cities or something like that, like, say, New York City. I'm sure you wouldn't be arrested for uh, being after curfew there, but Wyoming, maybe it's a little bit stricter. Right, yeah, it's small town stuff, yeah. you know, and everybody knows your name, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I got six months probation for that. 
third charge was I threw a Frisbee. Okay, the, the rec center there was just the basketball court, right? And then another room that had a pool table in it. And in that room, they had a window that looked into the basketball court, okay? And so at the end of that basketball court, there was a stage. And I was playing Frisbee with this little kid. And I threw the Frisbee and from one side of the basketball court, all right? It went through that window on the other side of the basketball court. It hit the disco ball thing that they had in the window, ricocheted, and hit a woman in her temple. What were the odds of that happening? I have no idea. But <laughs> she said I did it on purpose. And I was like, how? How could I do that on purpose, even if I wanted to do that? You know, I, no. could, I could understand, like, if I intentionally threw it through the window, you know, then there's a higher chance of that. But I was all the way on the other side of the basketball court on a stage and I just threw it and the kid, it just went right above his hands. He was, he was a pretty small kid, but yeah, it went right through that window. It's like, Oh my gosh. So I got an assault charge for that or battery charge for that. Let me intentionally throw a Frisbee, have it hit the desk, hit the wall, hit the ceiling, hit the disco ball and then hit her in the head. I planned that. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I was, I was shocked. I was shocked. But got six I think it is. I think it's the boredom of the cops. That's what I think it is. The cops need something to do. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. And there was one cop. His name was Gary. He was he was an all right dude. Rip. I don't see you, Gary. But uh, he was like, "Come on, Michael. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing?" And then there was another cop, and he hated my guts. I don't know why. He had daughters around my age. They were kind of attractive, but not really my type. And one of his daughters liked me for some reason. That's what it is. They love the bad boy. Yeah, I guess. And so, yeah, he didn't like me. So he was always out to get me. I remember one time we came back from California from visiting my family because that's where I'm from originally. And uh, he comes to my house. We, we parked the Suburban. That's what we had. We parked the Suburban. I'm unloading my stuff. And my friend calls. He's like, hey, man, we're, we're all meeting over at this place. You want to go chill? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So I walk to said destination, and he, like, comes up, tires screeching, scratch. He's like, hey, where were you last night? And I was like, um, I think Reno or Las Vegas, Nevada. Why? And he's like, you, you think your mom will collaborate, collaborate that for you? corroborate that for you as a uh i guess so he puts me in handcuffs and puts me in the car and takes me to my house and i go up to my mom and i'm like hey mom can you tell this guy that i was in las vegas nevada last night because we just got home and he's like well and she's like yeah we just got home what happened and he says, well, somebody threw rocks and broke the windows out of the school. I was like. It's your MO, I could tell. It's got to yeah. be It's got to be squids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, whatever. And so he didn't charge me for that, obviously, because I had an alibi that time. Um, the fourth sure time. The... Oh, wait. Oh, so there's more. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. There's more. <laughs> The fourth time I got arrested, um, I was playing uh, Ditch the Pig, and my friend got caught, and he squealed on me. It's like, bro. <laughs> the pig squealed. Yeah, yeah, the rat, <laughs> the rat squeaked, man. And so, got arrested for that. And then the last time I got arrested, which was the craziest time, right? Me and my friend were hanging out in my room, which is a front porch at the time, because my parents got a two-bedroom house for three kids and two adults. So I lived on the front porch. And (laughs) my friend's like, hey, we should go out and do something. You're always talking about these things that you do at night over here. And like, I want to, I want to experience that. And I was like, ah man, like I just want to chill tonight, you know, talk to some girls on the internet because that was back in the chat days, you know, MSN Messenger and all those good stuff, right? 
And uh, he was like, no, man, like, like we should. And it was like midnight. And I was like, fine, let's, like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know what, like, what is there to do? And I was like, well, I, this guy's been a dick to me for some time now. So I'm going to go over here and uh, uh, burgle his house. <laughs> <laughs> so I broke into his house, uh, stole some stuff, um, found his mom's adult entertainment devices and I turned them on and I put them underneath his pillow. So when they came home, it was like, you know, there and present. <laughs> and so one of the part of the things that we did, we grabbed paintballs. And so we're just walking down the street and we don't have a paintball gun. So I'm just hucking these at like cars and trees and houses and whatever, right? Just paintballing everything. It's being destructive. Well, I want to party with you. Thousand dollars, like ten thousand dollars in damage or more. Oh my god. Yeah. So you were at all these times you were still at age 14. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know what? You know what? Uh, right now, if you were age 14 and all this happened to you, it would be a bit, much different story because now everybody would be filming it and all they'd see is a cop harassing a 14 year old kid. And then the cop would look like the asshole. <laughs> so instead of like, they wouldn't, you, they wouldn't see you paintballing cars or, throwing dildos underneath the pillows. All they'd see is you being taken away in cuffs. That's it. That's police brutality. We have to stop the police. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so towards the end of like our bag of paintballs, <clears throat> I looked down the street and there's a sheriff with a canine unit. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not out running a dog. Like, <laughs> And he's like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, fuck. So we like, me and my friend, we walk up to him and we're like, hey, man, we're just paintballing some stuff. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, you're arrested, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So he called the town cop, town cop come and took me to this thing, called the dude's mom or whatever. And she like looks at me and she's like, you make me sick. And then she walks out and I was like, okay, I get it. And uh, something I said, yeah. And then, like, before they could get evidence pictures or anything like that, it rained, kind of washed everything away. Nothing was marked, everything was fine, pretty much. And then I moved like three weeks later to uh, encampment, and I never got charged for it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> There's probably still a warrant out for your arrest, and you're, you're at every post office, yeah. But you know what the cops who are who are uh, working at that time probably still talk about that crazy year wow we were never so busy with this 14 year old kid man it's almost like <laughs> yeah. a mayberry on steroids yeah yeah and like if you go 20 miles west they didn't have that in rollins so like it was literally just that small town and it just gave the cops some busy work pretty much like look for those kids out past curfew you should say, you know what? You should thank me, officer, because I'm actually giving you job security. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. And, I hate ungrateful uh, people. Yeah, and I never really um, <laughs> got any, like, tickets or anything after that. I did get sent away twice to two separate boys' homes um, after that for being – actually, I lied. I got arrested again when I was 16, but I wasn't really arrested because, like, they – I had this homeroom teacher. She <clears throat> told me to be quiet one time and, you know, get to work. And I, to her account, allegedly, all right, I still say allegedly because I know I didn't do it, all right, but allegedly, I looked at her and I turned into a 1920s gangster, I guess, because she said that I said was, it wouldn't be hard to take you out if you know what I mean. Oh my god, <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that the uh, DFS workers came to school and they said, "Hey, you can't be saying stuff like that. We're in like two weeks. You're gonna go before a judge, and they're gonna decide what to do with you." I was oh like, god. "What?" And yeah, I was like, "I'm not gonna listen to this." And the town cop was there. They had a town cop there, and he was a different town cop. His name was. Uh, Dangle. We called him Dangle because he looked like Dangle from Reno 911. <laughs> and uh, 
I get up out of my chair. I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. And he grabs me by the shoulder and he sets me back down. He's like, yeah, you are. And I was like, all right. So every time she said a word, I would just yell as loud as I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I went on for about 30 minutes and she finally gave up. And I was like, all right, well, see you later. You already told me the important news. So two weeks later, I went before a judge and he was like, you can't, you know, threaten to kill teachers. You know, she's a 65 year old woman who lives by herself with a dog and two cats. So you can't do that. And I was like, okay. So they're like, yeah, we're going to send you to a, a boy's home for a psychological evaluation. I didn't realize that was wrong. If I knew that was wrong, officer, I never would have done it. <laughs> right. And it was like, if I was really going to kill someone, I wouldn't tell anybody about oh, it. Exactly. That's when you turn into like a, a little mini Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> right and so i get sent to warland which is like the second worst kid jail in why in the nation and they messed up my paperwork so i was supposed to go to a place in cheyenne which is our state capital and i was in warland for like three weeks and i met a bunch of uh characters there you know just a bunch of kids that you know stabbed their parents or you know killed their siblings you know just you know regular people Minor right thing, yeah just like a, what I call Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I totally did all these drugs and, you know, sold these things and killed these people. So what did you do? And I was like, I'm just an asshole, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I yelled really loud when the teacher was trying to talk. Yeah. And so him. he's crazy. He's out of control. <laughs> Don't want to mess with yeah. this guy. <laughs> so they uh, <clears throat> figured out that they had sent me to the wrong place once I actually read my paperwork and sent me to the place in Cheyenne. And I was there for like four months, five months and did a psychological evaluation. And they were like, there's nothing wrong with this kid. He's just an asshole. And then I got, went, I went back to school, graduated, moved to Laramie. History. <laughs> yeah. After a, it's almost like one flew over to cuckoo's nest. You just come out after they, they do the uh, lobotomy on you. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah. So then moved to Laramie, went to college, started producing dubstep music because that's what I was like. I heard it and I was like, I could definitely make that because I played trumpet for nine years in elementary school through middle school. And uh, I was like, I could totally do that. I've always been enthralled with music. So made a bunch of stuff I never published. And in 2020, so 10 years later, I was still producing stuff here and there and whatnot and making beats for hip hop artists and stuff like that. And 2020 came around and there's a producer named Cato on the track and he's uh, just a really good music producer. He does a lot of uh, work in the hip hop industry. And he had this thing called sound advice tour where you got to network with a bunch of artists in your area and stuff like that. He got to teach you the music business and um, how to make money off of music. And then he was like, you know, you really should get an LLC. So that was January 16th, 2020. The LLC I made was January 20th, 2020. So that was the start of killing it productions. Yep. Do you have any employees or is it just you right now? Just me. 100% independent, man. And so do you produce other artists? Yeah. Um, I've produced for some artists in Atlanta, Miami, Denver, Montana, California. So when you're, say, somebody from Montana says, I want you to produce my stuff, do they send it to you? Or do you actually go out there, meet the people, and uh, work with them in person sometimes? Or is it always through? Because, I, you know, this is the best time to be doing things like this because I could just send you a file. You could send me a file. We can go back and forth. And we really don't even have to be in the same state, same country, anything. So that's, is that how you mostly work now? Yeah. So um, I, sell, I sell a lot of stuff through my website, killingitproductions.com. And you can go to my beat store in there and right now i'm not i sell music 
but I don't sell enough to like have everything automated. So I just have people email me. They tell me what beat they want. Then I send them contracts and stuff like that and say, if you want, you know, this is what it takes, or you can buy it outright for X amount of dollars. Uh, and most of the time I, I judge it on like what, what presence they have, who they're working with, you know, because if a major label wants to buy my beat for one of their artists, then it's obviously going to be much more than somebody that I know only has a couple hundred followers, you know, and I do that. I do that for the, to help people, you know. So what do you, when you mentioned that they tell you what kind of beat, so they send you what the lyrics and then you put a beat to the lyrics. I can do it that way. Or they, they go to my beat store, they scroll through my beats. They listen to whichever one they're like, Oh, I really like that one. I want that one. Okay. So then I send them the uh, things necessary to do that, whether it's waveforms or just an MP3 or whatever. How many beats approximately do you have on your website? I have 52. What do you, what do you use to record? Not, not the equipment. What kind of instruments do you play to uh, create the beats? Um, so I have an electronic drum set that I lay the drums down with, and then I have a MIDI controller that I do uh, my melodies and uh, things like that with. Check that out afterwards. I was going through your website, and as we mentioned in the person last night who interviewed you, it's like, what haven't you done? You've done so much. So next up, we're going to probably get back to the music, but I want to talk about next, the number two, the lamp, next to the lamp. What is that? So next to the lamp is a podcast I started because me and my friend would get really drunk at his house and we would talk about crazy things about, you know, the universe, string theory, physics, like all a bunch of stuff, man, because I'm also interested in all that stuff. You know, physics is crazy. Theoretical physics is crazier. <laughs> right. And so uh, we would just talk about all this stuff. And then around this time I was starting, I started a job at a company where I was just sitting at a desk and I didn't have anything else to do but listen to podcasts and pass the day you know and uh I was like man this would be like a really good podcast like there's a lot of people that are making money off podcasts and stuff like that so that's you know just another source of income for the company pretty much and he was like no nah, you know like what do we call it or whatever and he had he had two chairs kind of like I got here but they were next to each other and there was a nightstand in the middle and it had this lamp on it. It was a brass lamp from like the 60s or something. And the lampshade was decrepit. It was busted. Like it was horrible. But I want, I, for the comedian side of me, was like, dude, we need to make this thing the center of the show because that would make it hilarious. Like Just these think. two guys talking about crazy stuff next to this busted ass lamp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love that subject. And I have a question for you What do you, what's your opinion on quantum physics? that is a lot you <laughs> <laughs> think we could fit it into a 45 minute interview <laughs> man there's so much to talk about in quantum physics that's why I like uh, uh brian green's book fabric of the cosmos because he does he says everything as scientific as possible and you're lost. You're like, what in the hell did this guy just say? And then he puts it in like the most simplistic way possible. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. What's funny because um, I'm sure you know the movie Donnie Darko with yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. So in the movie, they're talking about quantum physics and um, wormholes and different things like that. And they kept on mentioning Stephen Hawking. I said, really? So I checked out Stephen Hawking's books and he really believes all about quantum physics, wormholes, and different things like that. And it was funny what you said because the book that I read, he said his students told him that it was way over everybody's head and make it simple. I read the simple version, and I'm still saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? And he, he doesn't, doesn't come across as condescending or trying to prove how smart he is. It's just he's highly intelligent, and he comes across as just this guy trying to explain it. But the one movie, which was – 
it's, it's sort of like a fun documentary. I know you, you probably know what I'm going to mention is uh, what the bleep is this all about quantum physics. And I'm watching it. I'm like, wow. <laughs> just I sat down and say, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. And the fact that a lot of these things potentially could have been known for thousands of years, you know, and I heard a theory recently that was talking about we were living on Mars and we destroyed that planet. And so we came to this planet and we we're the comet that killed the dinosaurs. You know what? That really does not sound hard to believe. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> I know. These guys are like, okay, we found UFOs, right? And I'm like, what? And then they're like, oh, yeah, um, we also think that we're the comet that killed the dinosaurs. What? <laughs> I'm glad I'm sitting down for this interview. <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy smokes. Okay, just go crazy think, with it, I in, guess. In your opinion, do you think that there's alternate realities where there's another squids, another rich doing completely different things, but we're the same person at different times? So they put it like this, right? If you're talking about the infinite universe theory where the universe is forever and everything exists or ever will exist is in it already. It's just expanding. Yeah. Then they say, if you take, this is the simplest way that I've heard it explained. If you have a hundred shoes and a hundred dresses, right? that are all different colors, all different whatevers, right? Patterns, designs, whatever. And we look at that as like a periodic table of elements, right? They said in infinite universe theory, these things can be constructed again, just slightly different. So I'd like to think I'm Batman somewhere. <laughs> I'm Thor. <laughs> yeah i mean there could be a thor me out there too you know hey now you're just reading on my prey come on come on you got your own superhero yeah. <laughs> well it's like uh have you ever watched uh rick and morty yes yeah see rick and morty does a lot with that when you know because there's all that the council of ricks and all that stuff right <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like I said before, there's a lot to take in, and we, I'm gonna have to have you on the show a couple times just so we could talk about all these different things. We'll we'll make this interview about you. <laughs> okay, you, all right, yeah. People need doing. to be introduced to me first before they get into all my crazy ideas. <laughs> no, but some people may think it's crazy just because it's unknown. But there were a lot of other things that people thought were crazy at the time. Now that it's known, like oh, like perfect example is the Earth being round. <laughs> This guy is nuts. He belongs in a mental institution. <laughs> yeah. So maybe thousands of years from now, they'll realize like Squidge was not that crazy after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Because even now they're like, man, Isaac Newton was crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mentioned you do so much with Kilner Productions. So next on the list, we did. We talked about next to the lamp. We talked about the beat store a little bit, and you're also involved in photography and videography. So I want to talk about that. For photography, what kind of photos do you usually take? Is it more portraits, landscapes, or just whatever somebody hires you for? So me personally, I like nature photography. Yes, like that stuff's crazy. You know, um, landscapes are pretty crazy. Wyoming has a lot of beauty in it you know whether it's winter time summertime springtime it's just a beautiful state um, especially like northwestern wyoming yellowstone and cody and you know those places so that's my favorite but uh anybody that's got cash yeah let's work <laughs> <laughs> i will make this work have you ever been to yellowstone Actually, no, I have not been to Yellowstone once. I've been real close. I've been to Jackson, um, Jackson Hole, and that's where, like, a lot of famous people live. The reason I ask because I hear so many stories about people being attacked by animals because people don't realize these animals are not domesticated. It's really the jungle out there. It's really the woods. These They're not tamed. 
They're not in cages. They're walking around, and then people will aggravate them or clear, clear. Then they then they're surprised that they're mauled by a tiger or a lion or a bison. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I never saw that coming. Our our state animal is the buffalo, right? Yeah. It's our flag. It's on our flag, man. Like we have a lot of buffalo here, and. When somebody else gets gored and we see it on the news as a Wyomingite, we're like, "Good, could have seen it, could have saw it." You ever watch that video of the guy that was got too close to a bear and just got ate in front of like a thousand people? Oh yeah, I saw that one. Then there's another one where I think he either shot the bear or injured it. He went over to see what it was, and the bear was not dead yet. Let's just say the guy didn't survive, but the bear did. <laughs> it's like how stupid. It's just yeah. Terrible. I so I see people out there pretending they're like you know in the rodeo with the flags. Like, it, thank God. What's even more stupid is they put it on the internet and then they're surprised that they're, they get arrested. Yeah, yeah. So uh, somebody getting gored—that's nothing out of the unusual here, you know. Um, but they say that the best chance of survival against a bear is bear mace. Really? What's the difference between that and regular mace? Dude, bear mace will mess okay. you up for a while. All right. Like regular mace, you can like, you know, you can wash off a milk on it, whatever. And you're good about 20, 25 minutes. Bear mace, dude, like you don't even want to be in the vicinity of that even the next day. <laughs> Years ago, my father was a cop back in the seventies. And one time he, this is when the, the cops maces were like about this big. And he, for some reason, either dropped or fell, fell apart. We could not go in the house for probably three, four hours. I can only imagine what bear mace would be like. Yeah, because that stuff was, I mean, my eyes were burnt. I didn't get sprayed in the eyes or anything. Just having it in the house, I could, my eyes were watering. So I can't imagine bear mace. Yeah, they say, well, you know, bears are, a lot of bears are pretty blind, like black bears and stuff like that. Like They can only see like so much ahead of them that they rely heavily on their sense of smell. So if you blind, like, what vision they do have and then kill their nose like they generally run away because they can't they're defenseless they don't know what to do so if you shoot a bear they're probably just going to get pissed off and try to eat your face that's exactly what happened to that it's on, it's on youtube maybe unless they took it off but that's exactly what happened the guy shot him went over to check out his kill <laughs> he ended up being the one being killed and you know what i'm gonna it's gonna sound mean to some people but I really don't have any sympathy for the guy. <laughs> He's the one that antagonized me. He's the one who tried to kill it. He's the one who went over there to see what was going on. But with you, like I live in Connecticut and the biggest thing that we have here are black bears. You have grizzlies. Grizzlies are much more dangerous. Yeah. Northwestern Wyoming's grizzlies, but generally where I'm at, it's a little black bears. There have been yeah. a few grizzlies here and there, but not like anything too serious. Um, wolves actually have been, um, in our area a lot more than what they have been because the wolves that they reintroduced were actually not native and now they're kind of running rampant. So do they bring in animals to Yellowstone from other places or is it just, just Wyoming in general? Well, I think it was uh, Southern Montana where okay. these things are native and yeah. They just kind of went south and continued going south. Did you, so speaking of this, because you know you like nature photography, did you ever have a chance to photograph any of these wolves, bears, any other kind of wildlife? Uh, no, I haven't really ran into any of them. I've seen like, and anytime I have, they've seen me and just ran the hell away. So then it's like, I don't really uh get to be in nature as often as i want you know just weekends here and there i as i mentioned on your podcast i was in south dakota went to mount rushmore and i love devil's tower for the movie close encounters i just wanted to check that out so i was in that area Wyoming. I wish I had more time because I really do want to go to Yellowstone sometime. I just love that part and I've never been there, but I just, I've seen so many documentaries on that. I read about it. So I want to see it for myself. 
one day. And I, I loved Wyoming because, like you said, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's, I mean, I drove, I don't know how many miles on this main road, did not see one car, one cop, one person, just me and a tumbleweed. That was about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty barren out here. You know, that's the way we like it. Except yeah. during hunting season, man, a lot of people, a lot of out-of-staters, like, I didn't even draw this year. Like, I didn't get elk, I didn't get deer, I didn't get antelope, I didn't get nothing. So, I have to do general for all of it. And so, got to be taking some time off of work to feed the boy, you know what I'm saying? So, what's the biggest thing that you ever hunted? Elk. Elk. What's the size of it? Uh... Depends on what you get because a cow is can sometimes be bigger than a bull, but generally they're not. Bull is, you know, king of the forest around here. Yeah. All right. So let's get into your videography. So we talked about your photography. So what do you do with the videography? Do you make videos? Yeah. I actually, you know, obviously I edit and process videos. Um, for the podcast as well as I'm going to start ramping up like the visuals a little bit better in the podcast so I can get more practice in that sense you know chop them up start doing like Instagram reels and stuff like that and then uh, I want to do a lot more of the music video aspect of it Um, I've done a few but I haven't done enough to be comfortable with it you know you have these videos somewhere where people can see it the artists that i've done the videos for they haven't released them yet um and so most of them have been fairly recently as well so was it somebody that saw you online and said i want you to film a video for me yeah yeah i uh that sound advice tour um I linked up with a lot of those artists that are actually still doing stuff. And I was like, Hey man, I got all this equipment. Like we can make a music video fairly cheap. You know, I'm doing it mostly for practice right now. So like we could get you something really cool. And they're like, all right, well, let's do it. As well as I'm uh, helping a couple small businesses in town with uh, doing promo videos for their stuff and getting those set up and getting their YouTube accounts set up and all that. A good thing to get into would be a good money maker is commercials. If for advertising, I'm sure like well, music videos would do a, would be a good money maker too. But so have you ever checked if any local businesses ever came to you, like say a car dealership? So oh, I'd love you to make a commercial for my business. I mean, most of them i I was the one reaching out to them yeah. to just be like, hey, I got this stuff. Here's some of my work, you know, like what do you guys think if you if you i've been doing them fairly cheap but with every one that i do i get a little more expensive so now i'm like i'll do this if you like it you can send me 500 dollars, uh, pay for the commercial all that and if you don't like it then don't worry about it lose my number <laughs> yeah so i've been uh i've been gracious enough to be um able to actually make videos that they like and get paid videos like that is it on local tv stations in wyoming that people can see them no mostly like their facebook pages and stuff like that yeah a lot of advertising is done now i mean not who who really watches ads on tv anymore nobody that's the time I to do, use the bathroom unfortunately oh. <laughs> see I, I have the amazon fire stick i haven't seen a commercial in about five years <laughs> dang yeah i have hulu and uh paramount plus but i got the cheap versions of those you know because i oh, invest yeah. more in my company if i watch commercials <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it so, so next up on the list which i could definitely see this i want to talk about that because i was also a stand comedian for a while you are a stand comedian and i love the description of what your comedy it says you have a dark sense of humor which i love that's definitely my sense of humor. And you joke about everything you shouldn't joke about. So that describes me and my comedy perfectly. So that's why I think you and I get along so well, because when you did your comedy, like how, first of all, how long ago did you start doing it? 
So, um, I mean, I've been doing comedy for a long time because um, I've always liked to make people laugh and I've always liked to, you know, be the center of attention and tell jokes and stuff like that, like making people happy. You know, that's why I do the charity aspect of my company, you know. So um, having them be able to laugh at my material like while I'm on stage is different, but I've been doing it for about six or seven months. I mean, but like performing six or seven months. Right. Performing six or seven months. I've been writing for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I love the story about Ronnie Dangerfield. Did you ever hear his story where he did comedy for so long and he just said, if I don't make it by age 30, I think that was the age he goes, I'm just going to give it up. So he was doing something like roofing, something in that field but he always kept writing jokes. And then when around 50 years old, he said, let me just try it again. And then that's when he came up with that whole, eh, no respect, no respect stick. And it took off. So for all those people out there that think that either they're too old or just it's time to give up, never give up. If you, if you like what you're doing, just keep on doing it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I felt, you know, I've, I've had the actual company for two years. I've had the podcast for three years and for the longest time we weren't getting downloads we weren't getting views like we weren't really getting much right and as of lately my audio downloads have just been going crazy um not so much on the youtube front still but i just i think once i start advertising and whatnot i will be able to actually get a little bit more attention on that because right now it's just word of mouth and stuff like that and i don't really tell anybody where do you perform? Um, there's a bar in town called the Roughed Up Duck. Wait, what's it called? The Roughed Up Duck. I like that. <laughs> and uh, that's where I do a lot of stuff. But um, I'll be doing a show the 29th at What Fest, which is a music festival here in Wyoming that a lot of people go to. Um, I just performed at a Frisbee golf tournament couple weeks ago that i did also photography for so i did photography videography uh comedy and i did a dj set there as well Uh, (laughs) did you uh, serve the food as well (laughs) (laughs) almost almost they had a food truck there though what kind of things do you joke about um I have this one about one of my friends and a lot of them are anti-kid jokes, right? And one of my friends, he's like, he has a kid and I'm talking about the whole process of being like, why is it so normalized that people say, oh, I, you know, we're expecting and everybody's like, congratulations, you know, that's great or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to know what you guys do behind closed doors. Like, come on. This is like, you know. <laughs> well, it's funny because I have exactly the same mentality about kids. There's the first time I was engaged, she wanted kids. I said, all right, have a good day. I'm out of here. And then Sylvia, I've always known that I said, kids are not for me. I Everybody used to always tell me, oh, you're just being selfish. Yeah. I just, I don't want to have to suffer. And t- I want to just get up and say, I feel like going to Boston today. I feel like going to Wyoming. I feel like going to South Dakota and I can do that. So that's, but it's funny. Cause I, I, my sense of humor is sort of like that for me. My sense of humor was uh, cause I have cerebral palsy and I started joking about, first I started joking about, um, daily things that were going on and just the problem is that it gets old so quickly especially the way news is now and then I started joking more about myself I I love self-deprecating humor but the problem was at first was that I the worst reaction I had was oh I was like no I'm not a motivational speaker I'm a stand-up comedian so then I started (laughs) turning it into how much I love having cerebral palsy and why I love it so I turned it into a positive and then that's when it really caught on with me because everybody's like not feeling sorry for me. They're like, this guy is sick and twisted. I said, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm messed up in the head, boy. <laughs> the funniest thing was uh, I had this guy, well, actually my mother lives in Cape Cod. My brother lives not too far. So they both came to, I, I ran a show 
in Connecticut and my mother showed up. My brother was there. So I was talking to him in the lobby and this drunk guy comes up. Are you really handicapped? And my friend who was there, because now he's just fucking with you. And like, if you were handicapped, you'd be the funniest fucker here. And you think, well, you stumbled away. I said, oh my God, he thinks I'm faking it. So several times I've had people do that. They're like, is he really handicapped? And all the comedians are like, no, he just does it for they're like, wow, if he did that, he'd be the funniest guy here. He goes, then one, no, I knew what happened. Another time, this is what happened with my mother. They're like, you're the funniest cripple I ever met. And I said, mom, aren't you proud? She goes, yep, that's my son. <laughs> but sometimes I, I've gotten, you know, it was great. Um, I did a show. You're going to laugh at this one. Um, Cause I, I go to the horror conventions, um, Ch- Chiller in New Jersey. It's called Chiller convention where you meet all these different celebrities. And I met somebody from, I can't remember the name of the show, but he, he was a, uh, I think they call him the seal because he had these really short hands and he had like three fingers. Anyway, so he's a he's a big actor and I guess he, he plays in the show. I'll remember it later. But he uh, said, I'm doing this thing called Crip Fest. It's a worldwide thing. I'd love to have you a part of it. So I did it. And there was a woman named Cerebral Pussy. So I was talking about what I'd be doing to her with my three fingers. Next thing you know, I mean, at the end of the show, he goes, I will never, I don't, I don't condone censorship, but you're disgusting. I'll never have you on one of my shows again. I was like, that was probably the best compliment I ever got. <laughs> I mean, the things that he was doing on stage were way worse. I mean, his wife was pretending to give him a blowjob on stage, but that was okay. Me talking, me talking about what I was going to do, that was out, outrageous. So it was funny. I've had uh, different experiences like that. Some people love it. Other people don't. That's what and I want your opinion on this because that's what I love about people would say, maybe you should become more generic so you can have a bigger audience. Said, no, I'd rather have diehard audience that either loves me or hates me. I said, think the worst thing that could ever happen to a comedian is, hey, what'd you think of uh, Squids? Who? I'd rather have them hate me. At least they know who I am or love me and say, that guy's hilarious instead of like, I think he was okay. I really don't remember any of his jokes. What's your opinion? I mean, if we look at the comedians that are more raunchy, like Big J Okerson, Ari Shafir, Tom Segura, like those guys, their audience will beat the shit out of anybody else that's talking shit about. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like they have a they have a grip of people that are just willing to do that for them and um, just have that diehard fandom you know they come out with a shirt they buy that shit right you're generic and you got people that are like yeah he's okay they're not gonna buy your shit like a diehard fan will that is that likes you for who you are do you, do you have a fan base like that i wouldn't say diehard fans no but i do have some peeps in germany donka shane wow. like how'd you get germany i have no idea <laughs> That's just where they're telling me that they're that they're downloading from. So, you know, yeah, I say, like I said, Donka, you guys are great. Always listening. Where can people find your comedy? I actually haven't been uploading any of it, so okay. they can't find that yet. But I do have a lot of it on video. I will just start chopping it up and um, actually put it in like my Instagram reels and stuff like that. Yeah, lucky because so I did comedy for four years. I did over, I counted every single time. I did over 400 shows, not counting open mics. I mean, I did even more now, just like shows. And uh, I was doing three, four states a week. I do Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New Jersey, sometimes in one week. So I was all over the place. But luckily, for some of the shows that I used to produce, some of my own shows besides playing other clubs, and I had somebody film all the shows that I did, and he got probably like six or seven really good shows. And so I made a DVD out of that called uh, uh, the the claw, I think it's called. I don't know. I can't remember now. It's been several years, but uh, it's uh, I was selling them at shows. Whenever I had a really good set, I would sell sometimes 10, 15 DVDs. When I had a shitty set, (laughs) I'd go home with 10, 15 DVDs. So I want your opinion on this. If you're playing a show, people love you doing the same exact set next show and they hate you or they don't even they, they just sit there so do you get different reactions every time you do the same set or do you mix your set up a lot um actually i don't really recycle material that often um 
when I do open mics, you know, it's all new material and things like that. And then when I do shows, obviously I repeat some of the better jokes from those materials that I've, you know, worked out a little bit, you know, so I generally don't, tr I try not to say the same joke at open mics. It's funny, some a comedian that I worked with and he, he made such a great comment. I never thought of it like this. He goes, when you're in a, you know, a classic rock band, all you ever want to hear is the song that, you know, the free bird, free ride, whatever it is. You want to hear that song, you know, hotel, California. When you're a comedian, I already heard that joke. I want a new joke. <laughs> so when you're a musician, all they want to hear is the old stuff. And the musicians want to play all the new stuff. I mean, all the old stuff. I mean, sorry, the new stuff. Then when you're a comedian, you have to hone your craft. You have to get the joke better and better. You can't just do a joke once or twice and think that, okay, I'm, I'm good. Because what I would do is I would every time I would do it, I'd try something a little bit different and then sort of craft it all together. And sometimes I would do like the same joke 15, 16 shows in a row, but each time it would be just a little bit different. And then, so I got it to exactly where I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what those stages around the country are for now, you know, and then they gather up all the best stuff for that and make a special out of it. And then they start on a whole new set of material and stuff like that. So who's your all time favorite comedian? That's tough because Norm MacDonald was one of my yes. favorites for a long time. That guy's uh, crazy. Dan Soder is really good. Yep. Tom Segura is good, as I mentioned before. Um, Harlan Williams is really good. Uh, Mark Norman's really yes. good. Which I think I told you on your podcast, I had a chance to be on the same show with him. I mean, it was like, six or seven comedians so it wasn't me opening up for him but i was on the same show and they, he's such a great guy he's hilarious he's so, you know, the funny thing is is people that don't know who he is he's from new york or he's from new orleans he made it big in new york he's just on the brink of success he's but he's probably one of the funniest current comedians but he's so he has no self-confidence at all. He think that's like, how can you think that set sucked? That was hilarious. He goes, oh man, I, I died out there. So no, you didn't. It's, you're great, but it's it's not an act. He, I mean, he really does. Have, I mean, I think maybe I haven't seen him in a couple of years, so maybe he's he's definitely reached a different plateau now than when I saw him back in 2016, 2015. But I was laughing. It's like you're amazing because I I first time I ever saw him was opening up for Amy Schumer, and and I don't know if you know the story about that. With Mark, uh, he was asked originally to go on tour with her. She thought he was hilarious, and he said, "No, I'm not ready." And luckily, she said, "No, I want to take you." He said, "No." And then the next year, I think it was, she said, "You're going on tour with me." And because of that, that's when he started to make it big. He got named for himself, but he just was so down on himself. He goes, "I'm just not good enough." I would jump at that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I probably would have too, but I'm also at that spot where I have probably a solid 20, 25 minutes of good jokes, you know, and like a joke, jokes that I could carry on that don't seem like they break up or anything, like they just keep going. Um, so those are really good, but yeah. You do a lot of crowd work? Not much. I've been getting a little bit more into it, you know, um, but not much. For me, it would have to, it couldn't, it couldn't be spontaneous. I'll tell you what I mean. Where, or no, it had to be spontaneous. Um, I, I know comedians that would say, all right, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to tell 10 minutes of jokes and then I'm going to do some crowd work. If I did that, I would be thinking too much like, all right, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? To me, it just has to happen. Something has to happen in the audience and then I'll just start going off. I remember one time that happened to me. So I very rarely did crowd work, but something happened and I was going back and forth with the audience for about 15 minutes. And it was one of my longest sets and probably one of my favorite sets, but none of it was planned. It just happened. But other times if I go, go out there and say, okay, let me see if I try to make this funny. And I said, no, I'm putting too much thought into it. And it just would not be funny. So I would do my, my, like you said, I had about 25 good minutes. My longest set ever was 45 minutes. And that was, that was long. <laughs> people don't realize that when you're telling jokes, trying to make people laugh, 45 minutes is a long time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that was a good hour, man. I think for me, oh yeah, well, I have two things to say and then we'll, we'll get out of here. But I appreciate, first of all, appreciate you being on the show and I appreciate you having me on your show. 
I was going to say for me, all-time favorite, George Carlin, David Tell, and current comedian, well, even though David Tell still is a current comedian, but Martin Norman. Those three, I think, are my all-time favorites right now. Um, but I was going to talk about Caroline Harkin. We can talk about her next time. What I want to talk about is uh, do a little promotion for yourself, is what's next and where can people find you? Yeah, so thank you guys for listening to me and my story, even though it was kind of ridiculously crazy at the beginning, you know, with my arrests and whatnot. But I've learned from all those experiences, and now I'm pretty much focused on helping my community with my company and help, like, trying to get people to realize their full potential because it's a short life, man. And I know I'm 31. I haven't lived a lot, but I've seen and done a lot of things in that short 31 years, and I've learned a lot. And mostly don't waste time on people that don't deserve it and do what you like to do and eventually you'll be happy if you're not happy already um you can find me at squids killing it you type squids killing it into google s-q-u-i-d-z space k-i-l-l-i-n-i-t and i'm the only thing that pops up that's what's so great about an original name is that i'm the only one that pops up squids killing it and you can find my music on SoundCloud. You can find my singles and stuff like that. Well, you can find my beats on SoundCloud. You can find my music on Spotify and Apple Music and anywhere else you can get music. Uh, Next to the Lamp is also everywhere you can get podcasts. And we've had great guests such as The Claw <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and a lot of other uh, famous great people, a lot of musicians, a lot of uh, other comedians like the list goes on so there's 131 episodes as of now and there'll probably be more by time this comes out so st- pay attention to that next to the lamp on youtube as well as spotify and everywhere else you can get podcasts it's gonna be on the screen as we as we're talking but it's next the number two the lamp so it's not t-o just it's number two if look up look up for that right Yep, and that's because there's always at least two people talking and next to this amazing lamp that you could probably see right here. It is quite an amazing lamp. (laughs) I'm a fan of it. (laughs) Well, Squids, thank you again for being on the show. You got to come back. We got to talk about quantum physics, UFOs, Bigfoot, whatever you want to talk about. You know where to find me. (laughs) Yes, that'd be perfect. I know all about all that. I'm going to be in touch with you very soon. I want to, I want to do a, an update, updated uh, interview with you. <laughs> All right. That wraps up the latest episode of The Claws Corner. I would like to thank my guest, podcaster, comedian, photographer, videographer, musician, and producer, Squid's Killing It, for taking time out of his busy schedule and being on the show. A huge thanks also goes to John Bristol of Elma Productions for always doing a superb job editing the show and making it available to all. Lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone. Say so. I've always wanted to be in a movie. Waiting around for order. Waiting around for order.